Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. On occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. I'm Nicola Tallent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the Indo-Daily, Ireland's e-voting machine scandal. Oh my, here in Ireland we've had our fair share of money-wasting blunders. But there's one very expensive brush with technology that cost us a hell of a lot of money. 55 million to be exact. At a count centre near you tomorrow, you'll have a very last chance to see them in action. Pencil stubs and pads on the go, mental arithmetic to match 64 million megabytes of computer memory. Today, two of Galway's finest reminded us of what we're about to lose forever in the rush to e-voting. Look, the intentions were good, right? The idea of electronic voting was to modernise the way we cast our ballots. In other words, to speed up a long and often laborious counting process. To correct the software, which takes a half a million, and then try to move forward. Otherwise, we'll go in to the, into the 21st century in this country being the laughing stock with our stupid old pencils. Except it didn't quite pan out that way. For opponents of the machines, it's a case of, we told you so. Yes, the paper and pencil is by far the safest, and to suggest that some other system based on technology was going to be better was foolish. It was never studied. There was no political consensus. I'm Siobhan McGuire, and on today's episode, I'm joined by the Irish Independence political correspondent, John Downing, to take a walk down memory lane with me into the e-voting scandal of the noughties. John, as a political correspondent, you've probably spent more time than you'd care to remember at election count centres. But e-voting was going to change all of the traditional ways that we know, wasn't it? Absolutely. Um, a good count, it, it, it can it can top, a good count. <laughs> it can top a monster hurling final for drama and and. Uh, and delight and joy, and there's a there can be a buzz and energy and emotion and all sorts of things in a count centre on a given day, particularly when the result is close. It's all about transfers. Irish people engage where they may not. Sometimes fewer than two in three. Sometimes even less. Sometimes only one in three go to vote. But a count does seem to enthuse people. It gathers people around a radio or a television set. It attracts people to count centres just to savour the atmosphere. There is a kind of irony in this in that Irish people really understand PR uh, to uh, a surprising degree and they have great affection for it, despite the fact that it was kind of a parting shot from the British when they left in uh, 1922, this system of voting, which was aimed basically at trying to protect 
the rights of the Protestant ascendancy. But the Irish took to it. And isn't there something about uh, seeing your vote in black and white and it being counted, tallied? It's there. It's visual. It's very tangible and all credit to the officials of uh, the Department of the Environment and uh, local authorities. They really come into their own. People trust them and uh, people trust their competence and their integrity to do a proper job. And it is a cornerstone of democracy to be able to deliver an efficient and above all reliable election. Yeah, we only have to look at what's been going on in the States in in recent elections to see how it can well and truly be botched up. But take me back now to 1999 and we have this cutting edge technology uh, mooted as a way of possibly changing the way we vote here in Ireland. Absolutely, because while the general public and the likes, let, let's declare a vested interest. As a long-time political journalist, I love counts, I love the drama, I love the quirkiness of it all, and it pays the bills for me. You know, lava sauce, there you are. Uh, <laughs> it's murder for politicians, particularly. We've had counts which have gone on, you know, anything up to two weeks Counts and recounts, traipsing in and out, people not knowing um, what is going to become of them. And let's recall, it's their livelihood. It's the thing that pays the bills for them and their families apart from anything else. So there was a view also that it could be done much more quickly, uh, much more efficiently with, uh, with good results. The minister responsible at the time in 1999 was a very ambitious and able man called uh, Noel Dempsey, Fianna Fáil TD from Meath. And he came up with various uh, schemes to reform elections and speed them up. And uh, he was even looking at the whole question of PR and trying to uh, change maybe to a more continental system. Uh, It goes on. But... He certainly went with the idea that uh, electronic voting, which works in many, many jurisdictions all over the world. Uh, For example, India, which has 600, nearly 700 million voters, they manage with electronic voting. Why not Ireland? So it took off from there. It has to be said, it is a memorable occasion and that it's the first... In that, I'm not going to make a speech, I'm just going to say it's a memorable occasion and that this is the first time in this constituency the vote has been done by electronic means and has been calculated accordingly. And why not indeed? And it was then piloted three years later in 2002, but it was a different minister at the helm. Yeah, by then, a man called Martin Cullen from Waterford, uh, who who had been a PD, uh, TD, and uh, had joined Fianna Fáil. He was a Fianna Fáil minister from Waterford City. Uh, They got to the point where they piloted it in three constituencies, in Meath, uh, Noel Dempsey's original base, and in Dublin West and Dublin North. And uh, the count was, was in City West. And how did it all go? For the two Dublin ones. The, there was a lot of drama. There was, uh, it went, by and large, very smoothly. There was a, a sort of uh, 
very dramatic result from Dublin North in that uh, Nora Owen, the former uh, Fine Gael TD and former Justice Minister, uh, had a meltdown on stage because she did not know she was going to lose her seat and uh, she burst into floods of tears as the count result was being announced. That's the second time she's lost her seat since first elected in 1981. And that is... So, it, you know, if, she, if we were using the, the old traditional way, she would have had the signs. She would have had the knowledge. She would the have warning, been clear. She would have been clearly, uh, she would have seen it coming. Uh, there would have been tallies from very early on in the day. There would have been uh, the tally, of course, people looking at the counts, looking at the counters and watching the pattern of transfers. And she would have known from pretty well on in the afternoon that her, it was not her day and that she was on a loser. And that was a kind of a, a dramatic detail. I mean, that didn't really, you know, compromise the system of electronic voting. It was just something that, that was uh, unfortunate on the day. But pretty soon, John, the backlash started to, to set back in. Yeah, successfully, they, they piloted it again for seven constituencies for a referendum in October 2002. This was a, a rerun of the EU-Nice Treaty. And it went pretty well, even though there were critics and already the sniping was starting. The ones, the Nice Treaty had been defeated first day out in June 2001. It was uh, carried handsomely second time out. The opponents of the Nice Treaty who were, who were arguing that the rerun was unfair anyway began to add that, can we trust these machines? Can we trust... Uh, the integrity, the, the probity, the, are they safe? Are they open to fiddles and so on? So that, that was really kind of the, the opening salvo against uh, electronic voting. And we have a very sophisticated electoral system. Our people understand it because they've watched Dick Spring sweat it out over five votes in Kerry North. They understand how important it is for vote number 10, 11 or 12 to be cast because they have followed across that 48-hour weekend the political system and the importance of the transfers. And I say it'd be like abolishing the All-Ireland final and the All-Ireland hurling and football final well, and saying it won't affect coin. the sport. <laughs> and then it was uh, in December 2002, I think, um, when RTE actually reported a confidential report sent to the government which expressed serious concern over the security of the machines. Yes, uh, that they were open to hacking and there were questions about, about accuracy. And this was... Uh, vehemently rejected, and not just by uh, the politicians. Has to be said, the then Taoiseach, uh, who uh, Noel Dempsey and Martin Collins' boss, was very heavily invested in the idea of this. Um, he strongly rejected criticisms. So too did very senior officials in the Department of the Environment, the department responsible for organising elections. They insisted the... Uh, system was safe, that it was accurate, that it was far more efficient. The voting machines themselves, uh, John, where were they or who were they purchased from? How did they work? It was uh, Dutch technology, uh, a, a crowd called uh, NEDAP uh, PowerVote, 
and uh, they were very they were bought in blocks from there they were not cheap but they were supposed to be able we were assured time and time again they were supposed to be able to deliver PR as we know it in actual fact while we were losing on drama, we were losing uh, the, these uh, marvellously skilled and experienced people called the tally men and indeed tally women at polling centres. They were about to be made redundant. The compensation for that was that we were going to learn apparently far more about how people vote, about their patterns and about uh the extraordinary business of transfers. You know the idea when we go out and vote, well, you choose your number one and then say, well, if I can't have him or her, my second preference and so on is as follows and so on. But the problems for these machines didn't end with that report about security concerns, did they, John? No. And the biggest thing that really happened uh, was Bertie Ahern's government had assumed that because the opposition went along with piloting this thing, that, uh, that they would stay on board for the whole thing. But increasingly, there were a couple of very vocal uh, computer scientists coming into the mix uh, saying that, that they doubted, they doubted security, they doubted accuracy, they, uh, they doubted uh, the, the, the secrecy, which was, a, which was a, a key issue. So little by little, we saw a peel off of, uh, from Fine Gael via Phil Hogan, a man we were going to hear an awful lot more of after that, Labour from uh, a future Tánaiste, Eamon Gilmore, and the Green Party, whose leader, uh, whose leading person on this issue, John Gormley, was actually going to ironically play an, a, a leading role in this whole issue again further on. Yeah, I can't wait to come to the John Gormley bit uh, for, for uh, some interesting details from yourself on that particular period and time, John. But before this, there was a commission established. Yeah. Into the, the voting machines. To look at it very yeah. belatedly because we were, now, we were now in 2004 and we were looking at July the 11th, 2004. We were going to have Europeans and local elections run entirely on the basis of uh, electronic voting. And suddenly, as uh, further details and questions emerged, the uh, Progressive Democrats, uh, who were part of coalition with uh, uh, Bertie Ahern and Fiona Foyle, said it would be no harm at all to look at these criticisms and these flaws and remedy them in advance. So in February 2004, remember now we're talking really about not not much more than a dozen weeks away from polling day, a a top-level commission was set up uh, headed by uh, a a High Court judge, Mr Justice Matthew P. Smith. There were two senior officials from Leinster House and two scientists. they went off and hell for leather investigated. They took in 162 submissions, uh, some of them by then ironically coming in on email, which was relatively <laughs> new to many of us at that stage, uh, but, but uh, by, by letter and so on. And lo and behold, on the 1st of May, that is uh, again about less than seven, seven plus weeks away from polling day, their 
bombshell report dropped. And while it was positive enough in principle about the the, the whole idea, it basically put the tin hat on the whole idea, uh, put the kibosh on uh, electronic voting happening in the forthcoming elections. They raised crucial questions about accuracy, about secrecy, about security. So, right, uh, it's shelved. The European and local elections go ahead on plan A, pencil and paper. Back we go again. The old reliable, John. The old reliable. And the tally man is back in business. And uh, the long counts, and there were several marathon counts. Uh, there was one famous one in, in Westmead, which dragged on for days. And uh, we had uh, Donny Cassidy, uh, but then a senator, a future TD of Fianna Foyle, saying, look, this is exactly what we told you. And this was what we were trying to avoid. But anyway, the die was cast. However, Bertie Hearn insisted uh, that uh, the, the electronic voting machines were not dead. They were merely sleeping and uh, in, in, at, in a shed near you. So uh, it, it dragged on. We were still going to have these, these electronic voting machines. Come on. We have to correct the software, which takes a half a million, and then try to move forward. Otherwise, we'll go in to the, into the 21st century in this country, being the laughing stock with our stupid old pencils. And so the next part of this very fandangled story, uh, John, is the Commission report actually lands, and that's in 2006. The Fuller report, yeah, with all its appendices and all the rest. And then there were other instances such as these uh, these machines, uh, these Dutch machines. There was evidence that they were hacked in in the Netherlands, and it goes on a bit, and the doubt just continues. Meanwhile, there are questions about where where are these machines? By then, they're they're in the thousands. One figure, seven thousand machines. They were in storage. They couldn't just be left in any old shed, any old where. They had to be in climatized storage. The costs were mounting. We were already over fifty million. There were uh, reports that they were costing uh, anything up to half a million a year to keep in storage. <laughs> and then 2009, and this is where the John Gormley story and your your own involvement um, is very interesting. John, you were a press advisor for the Greens at the time. Yeah, well, for, for the uh, in, in the government press yeah. service, but I was working for the Green Party. And uh, a decision was taken in April 2009 by the government that looked they had to cut their losses on this. The storage was becoming a recurring embarrassment uh, for the opposition. All they had to do was stick down a Doyle question and say, what's the state of play? Where are they? What does it cost? Yada, yada, yada. What's the meter running at? What's the squander meter running at now? So a decision was taken uh, by the by cabinet in uh, late April 2009 uh, to, to scrap them. Now, ironically, it fell to the the then Environment Minister, John Gormley of the Greens, to announce this decision. One of the leading opponents and critics of the whole thing going back from 2004 onwards. And, of course, by then, 
John, the, the wheels of fortune in politics, John Gormley and the Greens were part of the government and they were to share in the embarrassment of getting rid, rid of these. So there was a bit of sort of condign poetic justice supplying here. The cost was phenomenal. Certainly topping uh, 55 million by them, uh, including 3 million for five years of storage. As I was saying earlier, one figure that was being cited was uh, half half a million a year for, for one particular batch of them. At one stage, they were being stored in Gormanstown in County Mead, uh, ironically, again, in Noel Dempsey's constituency. So here we are, we're, we're going around the mulberry bush. But John Gormley announced the scrapping decision while on a visit to Cork, and I happened to be with him. And I remember even at that, there was a deal of tetchiness from the Fianna Fáil partners in government and indeed from senior officials in government who, in, within the civil service who had a role in preparing all of this. So this one did not go quietly. The fact is that these machines could not be used. From that point of view, um, it, is, uh, it is wrong to proceed. Uh, and it is right now to end uh, the use of these machines and to do so in a way uh, which minimises the cost to the taxpayer. That's what I'm doing. So uh, you say scrapping. So the machines were, were, were sent to the scrapyard, essentially. Yeah, and it's hard to try to know exactly. They were sold to a metal, eventually sold to a metal recycling uh, company. Uh, from memory, uh, the figure cited was 70,000 scrap value. And that was the end of that. So, and did any survive? Do we have any of them? Well, I always felt there should be one in a pub somewhere in the west of Ireland, you know, where you could where you could vote for the mayor of Killahulla Upper or something like that, you know. But uh, I've never heard of it. I've never come across it. You know, such such novelty things. I think, I think, you know, certain publicans would love one of them, particularly if you could get the works into it and get it going, you know. And a huge thanks there to Irish independent political correspondent John Downing for joining me today. I'm Siobhan Maguire and today's episode was produced by myself, researched by Garrett Mulhall, with sound by Gavin Hennessy. Archive clips from RTE Archives, RTE Radio 1, The Late Late Show, RTE Primetime, Virgin Media News, TV3 Archives and Independent.ie. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.